Hello and welcome, everybody. I'm your surprise, surprise host, co-host, J.R. Honeycutt. This is the Meeple Syrup Show, Designers Discussing Design, episode 81, The Pros of Cons. And we're going to talk to you and also our guests who are coming up in just a moment and also our surprise co-hosts about the pros and probably also the cons of going to game conventions. And it's going to be a great show. And we're super excited. So first I want to introduce to you the person here who you probably do actually recognize, which is your normal co-host, DJ Deep Six, Sin Fong Lim. What's up, Sin? <laughs> Not much. How are you, JR? Thanks I'm for good, coming man. on the show and on uh, semi-short notice. Short yeah. notice being like a week or two and then forgetting and then being told. I mean, right. there's no, there's no, there's nothing else you could possibly expect from me than to be like, hey, are you ready for this? And me to be like, of course I am. What am I agreeing to? <laughs> it's Question good. Mark. It's all good. Hey, Tiff, what's up? Hey, I made the creepy attic less creepy. Yeah. It was, it was never really that creepy. So tell everybody what you had for breakfast in honor of the show. I had pancakes. I woke up uh, at 7.30 and I was like, I have to go be on Mubal Syrup. And I have a photographic memory, so immediately the image of the logo came on, and then I was like, I need pancakes. Well, I mean, who doesn't, right? (laughs) So, JR, what have you been doing in Gameland lately, sir? Tell us about your new thing. Man, it has been an absolutely insane month for gaming stuff. Uh, Some things in order. Number one, I have a new podcast that I started. It's called JR Plays, and it's available through iTunes, through Google Play, through Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. And it's just me talking about what games I played through the week for like 30 minutes, Uh, talking about games from the standpoint of a community organizer, uh, like games that we play at Nerd Night and at our local game nights. Also, games that me and Amy play together, so a little bit of the husband-wife interaction stuff that I talk about. Uh, and as well as as a game designer. So I, I design full-time for Artana, and sometimes I'll talk about games from that perspective. And it's about half an hour, and I just talk about what I played, new games, old games, kind of give a little perspective and tell some of those stories. I've got two episodes in so far, a new one every week, and I'm going to do it as long as I can pay for a SoundCloud account, I guess. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, I also, how you're, that's how you're hosting it all, the SoundCloud? Yeah, 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 yeah cool. SoundCloud. Um, I'll probably switch to Libsyn after talking to Jeff Engelstein. Um, but I'm new to this, right? I was in the shower last week, last Tuesday morning, and I was just, you know, like when you're in the shower, you have like your best deep thoughts because that's the one time I, of the day that you can totally do. I totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's because like it's the one time of the day that I'm not staring at my phone or staring at my Kindle or my computer screen. And I was like, you know what? I'm so intimidated by the idea of having a podcast, but I have so many amazing friends who have done it. You know, like like literally everybody here has contributed to content before, and Tiffany has made her own videos for forever. I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to go to my computer, and I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make a podcast, I'm going to record my first episode, and it's going to be the easiest content in the world, which is just the games that I've played for the week. And that's what I did, and it's done now. And I'm very happy with it. It's been pretty cool. So, cool, yeah. cool. And Tiff, are you doing anything new on the content scene? I know you're bringing stuff back. I'm bringing stuff back for the most part. Um, the only thing that's really new that we've been doing since we got back from Gen Con, actually, is live streams every Tuesday oh, night. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 7.30 uh, Pacific time, we uh, Steve and I live stream a game, and there's a poll on Twitter right now, and I'll link it in a little bit, um, because every week I'm too lazy to pick what I play, so uh, <laughs> I let the internet do it. That's good. So you, yeah. you put up your whole collection on BGG or something, and then the, you get votes for which game you should play? No, it's even simpler than that. Steve and I will pick um, or we'll discuss like throughout the week four different games that uh, we want to play, and then I'll put those in a Twitter poll, and then people on Twitter just vote. So yeah. this week we went with a worker placement theme. Yep. 
So we have the new Agricola Family Edition, uh, Viticulture, um, Caverna, and Automania. And I think Viticulture is winning right now. So I think we'll be streaming Viticulture tonight. I'm voting for Viticulture right now. I am vote number 98. Viticulture is definitely winning. <laughs> and and do you play the whole game out? You stream the whole like hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, we stream the whole game. Usually we pick games that are only going to be about an hour long. So the sh- well, with teaching. So I usually will teach the internet really quickly how to play the game at the beginning of the stream. Um, and or I will teach Steve because half the time we're playing something that he's never played. Um, and then we play a full game and then we talk very briefly about it. Like, not really a review. We just talk super briefly about it at the end, and then and then that's it. Awesome. Yep. That's, that's really cool. And so next week on this particular show at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, Meeple Syrup Time, that's what we call it. Um, <laughs> hey, it's Meeple Syrup Time. That's so good. It's like, uh, it's like uh, peanut butter jelly time. Um, I'm going to announce the candidate or candidates. I'm not sure yet. I haven't really decided how many I'm going to take. For the Game Dojo project that I'm doing, which will be one or maybe two or maybe four newer designers who are unpublished and or unsigned to kind of mentor through uh, about eight months worth of stuff. So you're gonna mentor them yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take them under my wing and kind of do what we do for the Game Artisans of Canada, but just yeah. they don't have to be a member of the Game Artisans of Canada. Um, can I just say, by the way, that you did some of that for me, and it was awesome. It was just the best thing. So I'm jealous of those guys. I still want to be in that position with you. <laughs> yeah, but you're published, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, barely, barely, barely. Oh, you got your finger in many pies, sir. Uh, and that was not a euphemism for anything at all. You uh, anyway. you, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to get uh, down to that next week. But this week, we have two, count of two amazing guests uh, from... Parts unknown. I, I don't know where Eric... Oh, actually, I know exactly where Eric lives. I can go to his house. And we'll, we'll go ahead and put that up on Google Maps. Everyone who's <laughs> yeah. watching just... Right. Go find Eric. Uh, no, right. we have... Uh, actually, you know what? Cut, cut us a promo for our guests there, JR. You're really good. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. The panda loving, his friends hugging, insult spewing, but very nice to you when you're viewing, coming straight from Toronto, Canada, from a high-rise 9,000 feet in the air. He is Eric Lang! What's up, Eric? Eric's yeah, not here yet. I have, I have to bring him up, man. Oh, it's fine. Well, whatever. He'll come back. He's here! Hey! It's Eric Lang. like, flames hey, exploding like metal. <laughs> in the background. <laughs> That's right. And uh, who else have we got, Jer? Oh, we've got Ben from Floodgate. Oh, this guy. <laughs> no, 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 I got oh, this, I got on. this. Hold on, hold on, I'm going to turn him off so we can bring him back on. That's right, I've got this. go, go, just, uh, just do it. Our other guest tonight, our second guest tonight, today, 11 o'clock in the morning here in Central Time, and I think it's 4 in the morning where Tiffany is from, uh, we have <laughs> like a it. man who has not seen Top Gun, and you need to know nothing else, Ben Harkins from Floodgate Games. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I can't hit the switch. <laughs> oh, hey, Ben, what's up? Hello. <laughs> hey. All right, so let's get this started. Uh, today's show is not about wrestling or Top Gun, although those would be very good shows. Uh, today's show... Top? Yeah, yeah. 
today's show is actually about conventions and the pros of cons. So we all know conventions cost us a lot of money to go to. Um, and for some of us, it's all out of pocket. For some of us, we go as uh, reps for companies or media. Some of us, it's our job to be there. But for those of us who can't get paid to be there, and it's an, a big price tag to go to, say, Indiana or you know, international to Essen, why do we go? Those are the questions we're going to ask. So we're going to start off with Ben. Ben, as a publisher, what is the most important thing about going to cons? Why do you pay the big bucks to have a booth a minuscule booth compared to some of the other ones at a, a place like Gen Con. What's the deal? Yeah, um, for me, I just I love connecting with people, and I think you know our hobby is such a social hobby, and it's really important to get together with your friends in person and whatnot. And being able to sort of adopt that same angle as a publisher to me is really important. Um, and then you really get to hear people's feedback uh, in person about our games and how we can improve and all of that. So those opportunities are, for me, kind of what I cherish about about the uh, convention experience. Okay, and, and how much does it cost roughly for booths at the various conventions? Is it, like, insanely expensive? It, it really depends on the size of the convention. Um, that, that's the typical factor is attendance. Uh, it kind of scales non-linearly, it seems. <laughs> Um, so so pyramidal scoring? Yeah, yeah. There's who knows where those come from, but yeah, um, yeah it's it's usually proportional to uh, to the um, amount of attendance that they have, and typically, if you're doing sales at a convention, you can you can get close to breaking even, or I can at least um, financially, and uh, that that's pretty good for me. Okay, cool. Tiff, you're up. Yeah. So Eric, you are coming or going, rather, to conventions from the perspective of a publisher, usually with several titles being published or being released at the convention. What's it like for you to go to a con? Because I know whenever I see you at a convention, you're always running from, like, one booth to the next. It's because yeah. I'm on fire. <laughs> uh, so, I mean... I've done this a long time, and I've actually run the I've run the gamut for reasons to go to a convention. And the reason I went when I started is completely different from now. Uh, like when I was starting out as a, uh, I was always going as a designer, always. But when I started out, it was uh, it, it was like a, a young designer. I had a game, and I didn't know anybody, and I was really uh, confident as only a young designer can be. And uh, I just wanted to show everybody, and so I went there and. Damn the cost. We, you know what? We didn't even get a hotel room. I remember this. I went with some friends of mine. We went to Gen Con. We didn't get a hotel room, and we slept on Friday night, and we slept briefly on Saturday, and that was it. Uh, and we just went there to show the game to as, uh, as many people as possible. And uh, that, that I consider to be almost the, the linchpin of my career nowadays. Like just, I met so many I met people, so many people, people, so many people, 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 people back that... Uh, and, and I learned like I learned more in that weekend than I did from years of studying and playing games and stuff like that. Just exposing my game to the public that was amazing. Uh, then I went to go pitch games at conventions uh, for the, for several years after that to go pitch to publishers, and that's always the best way to, uh, in my opinion, to do it because you're live, you're face to face, uh, and there most publishers, especially nowadays, are really really hungry for new games. 
Uh, now, uh, when I'm like mostly on fire at conventions, it's just as 100% just to support games I've already got out. Uh, so it's to go play with fan, like play the game with fans, sign the games for fans, and uh, meet friends for like the two or three seconds we see each other in the hall. Those two or three Except, seconds, though, they're beautiful and they're precious. Not Jr. Though, if you see him, I just run because, you know. I, he's, is, he's just more on fire when he sees Jr. That's right. That's right. right. That is well, the one who did it. We've had we've had some beautiful moments in the streets in Essen, bro. I'm just saying. Um, question for Ben. Ben, you've got Sagrada on Kickstarter right now through Floodgate Games, your publishing company. And this one's from me, and I've also had other people ask me before. How important is it to attend conventions while you have the Kickstarter active? Uh, I will find out this weekend. It's actually the first time I'll have done that. Uh, sure. We're going to Grand Con in Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, this weekend. And I've never actually done both at the same time. So we'll see how crazy how crazy. Uh, do you have is. any predictions? Like, is it, Are you approaching the convention differently because you have a game on Kickstarter than you normally uh, yeah. would? I'm probably going to be focusing on that quite a bit, um, a little bit on the previous release we had uh, earlier this year that's that's yet to be at retail. Um, it's an expansion to Epic Resort, Villains Vacation. So we'll have some of that showing that off, but mostly focusing on uh, Sagrada. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful. I think I think it'll be good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'll have to bring a lot less uh, stock. Yeah. Nice. Are you gonna run the uh, run the iPads out and have people be able to log into Kickstarter and back the campaign right there at your booth? Man, that is a good idea. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, goodbye. My time's done. Send you up. <laughs> Send you're muted. Send you're still muted. Tiffany, you're up. While Sen figures out why he's muted. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, so this is a question actually from uh, the comments on YouTube and to Eric, and it's actually from an Eric. Uh, <laughs> Eric Devilia? I don't, I'm really bad at names. They're calling uh, you one Eric on YouTube, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he wants to know, how do we convince con skeptics in the game group who love games to leave their comfort zones and go to the conventions to come along? Oh, man. So I actually, there are many times, especially the big cons like Gen Con and uh, Origins such that I wish that I was not going professionally, that I could just go for a gamer. It's like, it's paradise. Uh, you get access to so many uh, convention exclusives, like huge tournaments, huge events that you could never get at home that publishers themselves put together for uh, specifically for those conventions. So, I mean, you know, assuming you're into games. Uh, but like the like settlers uh, settlers Catan world championships so you're into that um, if you play any of the L, uh, LCGs from Fantasy Flight uh, which they do they don't do worlds anymore but they do huge uh, they do huge events there uh, unfortunately I can't even keep track of what they are anymore but they're giant tournaments with huge prize support and you get access to the publishers like you can get direct face to face contact with publishers that are there specifically to hear what you have to say about their games so if you've ever like I mean, I've never met a gamer that has ever had an opinion on a game or how it should be made. Uh, <laughs> if, like, if you are in such a boat, like, this is, it's a direct, you got a direct mouthpiece to the publisher. Uh, I'd kill for that. Have you? Have you killed for that, Eric? Yeah, yeah. I just admitted to murder on air. Thanks. Good, good, perfect. I'm sure it'll be fine. Sin, you're up. Then you're still muted. No. Ah. Dude. All right. 
We have another. We have another. We have another question. We have a question from Tony Miller, who wants to know how important it is to have stock to sell at a convention. Is media buzz alone enough to justify the cost? For Ben, that one's for you. Um, again, we'll see <laughs> this weekend. No, traditionally, um, I try to have uh, things to sell when I go to a convention because a lot of people do go to conventions to have that opportunity to support the publishers directly, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and usually to get promos and things like that are often for me, uh, it's just people who are discovering my, my company and my games for the first time. So being able to capture that moment right there is uh, pretty crucial when, when uh, you're in a position like I am with you know, just a few titles and kind of just starting to grow uh, early on. So I really try to make sure I, I have things to get in people's hands for sure. Nice. Sen, are you unmuted? No. no. No, what in the world? Dude. He's holding up the number one. I'm not sure what that means. I'm your mic. Ben, I have a... Is it talking? Am I talking? Yeah. Yeah. How no. important is it to be heard at conventions, then? It, it's actually kind of important. <laughs> All right, Eric, uh, this question to you. Um, and I know because we were running in concentric circles around each other at last Gen Con from the same booth to the same booth, but never at the same booth. So I saw you like once but con survival tips as a designer if you're going to be having meetings uh, to pitch if you're going to be demoing demoing games that are releasing at the convention what are your survival tips for designers out there uh, survival tips so uh, this I mean man you and I you and I should just run a show on this just about that topic but the um, I mean We'll start with the obvious ones. Do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. Uh, never go to a meeting with a publisher without uh, having done extensive research on their line. Know what, they're, know what kind of games they make, know what kind of games they're looking for. Um, the worst, in my opinion, the worst thing you could do at a convention is waste a publisher's time. They're really, really busy. They're meeting with tons and tons of people. You've got like five minutes to just wow them. And like... We're all gamers. Like even publishers are gamers. They want to be wowed. They're looking for really cool stuff, and they want that to be yours. So look for something that's a good fit, no matter what. Um, the don't. I would say, and this is probably contrary to what uh, a number of other designers would say. Don't come with a giant big box or a big binder full of like ten to twenty games in it. Most publishers I know that, especially when I'm sitting with them, that come by and they see somebody with a binder of ten or twenty games, they'll be like, uh oh. What, what, like, how many of these are already with other companies or how many of these are, are unsold? Most of them will be, I've actually gotten to a point where we just interrupt them and say, like, just show me your best one. What's your best idea? Um, come with maybe three or four maximum. Uh, but try, if you can, just to fit one game to one publisher. Make, it's better to make one memorable pitch than five or six other ones. Because then all they're going to, otherwise, they'll only remember, oh, this guy had tons and tons of ideas, but I don't remember anything about a specific one of that. Uh, any one of them, um, and the uh, definitely be uh, be polite, of course, but also be uh, like practice active listening as much as possible. You're there to have them ask you questions. Don't like run. Don't steamroll over them. I've been many many uh, pitch meetings where the designer will be like, "All right, I'm gonna tell you about my game. It's so cool. It's so awesome," and they will like talk over you for like five minutes and leave you no room for any feedback and 
the more a publisher asks you about a game and the more you're answering their questions, the more invested they're going to be in it because they want to know more about your stuff. So don't worry about being too practiced. Don't worry about having uh, everything laid out for you. Just pitch your thing, talk for a minute if you can, and let them ask questions. Yeah, as a follow-up to that, Eric, we had a question from YouTube, and I'm going to twist it a little bit, from Madbona1. Um, she says it seems extremely important to target specific publishers that match the game design being pitched. Um, it's kind of a little bit what you're talking about, but I was wondering how important is that to try and match a game to a publisher, and what resources can a designer use other than just, like, Googling the publisher's website to try and figure out which publisher they should pitch their game to. I mean, uh, so you'll, you should ask Sen about this afterward too, because we might have different opinions on this. Um, I do think it is today, it's much more important than it was before to match a game to a publisher, but it's not necessarily, so this is a, is, there's, this is more art than science. And there's a really, um, the best pitches are going to walk a tightrope. You want to look at their catalog, and that is the best resource, right? Play the games that that publisher makes, and if they're um, even if they're a diverse, uh, if they have a diverse catalog, they probably have a style that is some kind of identifiable style between them. Um, so you want to give them something that does not compete with anything that's in their catalog, but rather complements it. And that's a really difficult distinction to make. And I, um, I wish I could give you more advice on that, except just to kind of hone your instinct for it. I mean. Uh, the the way I do it is I actually I visualize uh, especially when I'm doing a game I visualize a product really really early on uh, like I got thousands of game ideas like uh, like Sen and JR like sitting around all over the place the ones I really get excited about are the ones that I can actually see on my shelf in in my collection what does the box look like what do the components look like what would it look like if it was made by this publisher and if it's really easy for me to visualize what that game would look like it would probably be easy for them to visualize as well. Um, none of that has much to do with the game design itself, right? Um, the, with that, you have to use, you mostly have to use your instinct. Um, for the most part, I would just say, just rather than advise you to find something that exactly fits your catalog, just don't worry, trying to avoid uh, pitching something that is completely out of their wheelhouse. You're not going to go to GMT, the Wargame 500 company, and pitch them the next Carcass Zone, right? That's, they're clearly not into that, they've never published it. Many publishers do like to be challenged, but you can usually find that out at the meeting after you've already pitched them something. Uh, that's when you'll find the most valuable information. You don't have to worry about if, if they didn't like your first pitch, um, a, a conversation afterward, like the feedback you get from them will teach you more about what they're looking for. Great stuff. JR, you're up. Sweet question for Ben. Um, having received pitches at conventions, do you prefer somebody hand you a sell sheet and then let you ask questions after like a brief elevator pitch? Or would you rather see a game on the table, a physical thing in front of you? Uh, for me, I like to do the sell sheet exchange before the convention. Mm -hmm. So hopefully someone's reached out and said, hey, here's my idea. Uh, what do you think? And, and that's even backing up further to what Eric was saying is, you know, first make sure it's, it, it's a fit or at least you can visualize where it fits in the product line uh, as a designer. And then... Um, once things kind of start to click there, uh, I, I like sitting down and actually playing the game with the designer so I can ask questions. And uh, mostly I want to gauge how receptive that person is to feedback and to um, shifting and changing things as needed. 
uh, that for me is crucial for working together. Uh, Sagrada being the second project I've worked on to this point with um, with a designer who's not me, <laughs> it um, it's really important for me to be able to have to be working with someone who I enjoy working with and who will push back on my ideas in healthy ways and such too, so we can both work our way toward the game that everyone wants it to be. Nice. Nice, nice, good. Um, Eric, we've got some more questions from the crowd. Um, the internet is asking you, Eric, what are your top three conventions to attend as a designer? What are your thoughts? Uh, my top three. This is in public. Tell the, tell the world which conventions you like better than others. Um, I would, so it's actually, this one's easy for me. It's uh, BGGCon is my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, that's in uh, Dallas Fort Worth, a DFW Airport. In fact, uh, Jared can talk all about that. He lives there, so he I will. He, he knows everything about Dallas. Uh, Dice Tower Con is actually my second favorite con now. That shot through the ranks real quick. Um, and the third one is the third one for me is actually has recently just changed, uh, and I don't know how applicable this is going to be to everybody else. But that is uh, Je Can in uh, in France. It is the the uh, it's oh a big, yeah, it's the one in February, right? It's the one in February, yeah. So I don't, I mean, this is me personally. So I don't know how much this is relevant to everybody else. Like uh, you really only go if you have uh, already a bit of a relationship with French publishers. Mm -hmm. um, not counting that, I would actually recommend Origins uh, here in uh, Columbus, Ohio uh, as a designer. So Origins and Gen Con kind of share a lot of the same publishers. They share a lot of the same um, players. But Origins is a slightly more relaxed show, and you probably get more quality time with publishers that aren't like in frenzy at the biggest convention of the year trying to sell stuff. Um, uh, funnily enough, ironically, I don't actually go to Origins. It's only because I don't have the time, and I have to go to Gen Con. If I was starting out today and I was giving myself advice, I'd say go to Origins instead of Gen Con if you could have to choose between the two. Uh, oh, sorry, Dice Tower Con is uh, 3,500 people next year, I believe. It's in Orlando. Um, it has lots and lots of tastemaker gamers, uh, expert gamers with um, like strong opinions and uh, very influential in the community. And it has a really diverse, uh, a really diverse crowd. Like it's families, kids, husbands, wives, lots of diverse backgrounds. So you'll. It, it feels like a mainstream con, but it's a small hotel convention. And, of course, there's a pool, and you can go swimming afterward. <laughs> That's good. Oh, can I ask you a quick question about PAX Dev? Eric, have you, you've been to PAX Dev a few times. Yeah, right? I just got back from that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that worth going to? Because that's the one that cuts really close to start time for class for me, and it's the one I've always wanted to go to, but it's like, uh, I really can't afford to go the week before school starts. But Yeah, that's an interesting one. So that was, I mean, that is essentially, uh, that's a new version of GDC, Game Developers Conference. And, right. Uh, but it's a black box convention. So it, to a degree, it is, uh, it, it is almost like a TED-style presentation that's, uh, that is private and anybody can talk openly. Uh, it's a great show. I don't know how, uh, for for you, I'm not sure how much you're going to learn at that show, but it's a great networking show if you could manage to get yourself a talk on that. So, like, yeah. you have to um, you have to submit talks for that to get um, uh, to get accepted. And uh, like, I've submitted I don't know seven or eight talks, and 
all but one got rejected. There's so many. Um, but anyway, they, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it, but it's really, really expensive. I think it's like 400 bucks for a badge. Yeah, that's uh, ac academics. That's nothing. <laughs> We're like 4,000 bucks a ticket, right? So. Oh, that, that's a true fact. I mean, if, if you want to go to learn, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. they, but it's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily 101. So if you know nothing about the industry and you know nothing about design, I probably wouldn't start at PaxDev. If you've got a bit of a background and you've got the base, like the very basics covered, then it's a really good intermediate level course. Cool. You didn't mention Metatopia or Unpub to no, talk about those conventions. Ones. Yeah, Metatopia is my favorite convention. Um, sorry to other friends who host conventions, but Metatopia is a design convention hosted by the Double Exposure team in Morristown, New Jersey, every November. It's the first weekend in November this year. It is the best experience I've had three years in a row now. Uh, this will be the fourth year in a row, I assume, with a fantastic, fantastic group of game designers. It's a convention that does game design for LARPs, RPGs, um, other storytelling games, and board games. Um, so there's a lot of different kinds of designers there all sort of working together, and it's only like 350 people, so it's really intimate, and the hotel setup is very nice, so everyone sort of just mills around and interacts with each other, plays each other's games. It's really well run, and I've made some of my best friends there, and I've, I've, I've both designed co-designed and sold games there uh, to publishers. It's a wonderful chance to meet people. And then, of course, Unpub, which I think everyone here has been to Unpub, is fantastic. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic convention series in Baltimore where you show up and you just rent a table and run your games and get feedback, which is the best because getting feedback from more or less objective playtesters who don't know you, who you are is really useful. And then, obviously, there's a lot of chances to meet publishers, too. So, uh, Sorry, just to back up, JR, if, if you... If you don't have a game that's ready for publishers yet, I would actually put Unpub number one above any of the three that I mentioned. Sure. Uh, the sure, three sure. I mentioned are for if you've got games that are already ready to go and you're ready to pitch. Uh, I, I also like I can't say enough good things about Unpub. It's a ridiculously amazing show. Yeah, and if you aren't able to get to Baltimore, there are Unpub minis quite frequently on the West Coast. We had one here in Portland last weekend. There's ones in Seattle quite occasionally. I know California has a few. Um, California has a different type of unpublished proto uh, prototype convention. It's called Protospiel. Um, and sometimes they do events that are Protospiel slash Unpub, and sometimes it's just Protospiel events. So if you are on the West Coast, um, see if there's a Protospiel event happening here. They're actually, very similar to Unpub. We actually have them here in the Midwest now, too. I'm going to Minnesota in January. <laughs> yeah, because really? everybody wants to go to Minnesota in January. Oh yeah, Eric and I might have, we we might as well just stay at home, Eric. It's cold as enough. It's cold. Enough. I actually usually go to Minnesota in January because that's the time. That's the most fruitful time for FFG's to right, development exactly. cycle. It's so <laughs> sad. Not outside. <laughs> I, I adore that you guys are like, oh, you can go swim at a convention. It's like, guys, you can go swimming three. I have a pool ten feet from me, three hundred sixty-five days a year that is swimmable. Right, just come down here where it's very nice all year. Anyways, go ahead. One, I have one thing to say, Chair. Shut up. Yeah. What? <laughs> you can't make me. You're not my real dad. <laughs> we are so your double dad. Oh, uh, so, Ben, God. tell us about, uh, have you been to any of the protospiels? Uh, my company was in attendance. I, I wasn't able to make it personally uh -huh. last year. So um, some guys who helped me out went, and uh, it was a really great experience for them. And um, the feedback was pretty great, so... Uh, we're going back again this year, but unfortunately it landed right on top of PAX South. 
Sorry. Right. And I think um, there's a couple other things that go on in terms of game design, space, things. Uh, JT from the Game Crafter does a convention in uh, Madison. I can't remember the name of it, where it's just... <clears throat> it's not really... I don't think it's a protospiel thing, but it's might be linked to one. Um, anyways, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. So Unpubs are wonderful. They're great for getting the public to play your game. Protospiels are maybe like a step before an Unpub if you're just work, still working out the kinks in your design. It's a lot of designers at the Protospiels that will play each other's designs. And so it's kind of like the precursor to Unpub. And then from Unpub, you'd go to, uh, you know, a something to pitch, right? So I think it has a really nice flow, and Metatopia is in there as well, where you have very design-centric conventions, very uh, pitch-centric conventions, and then, you know, like Eric said, if he could ever get to one that he could just relax at, that would be nice too. Um, ben, can you tell me about your favorite conventions to go through, go to as a publisher? Which ones are the best bang for the buck? Uh, that you found so far, which ones actually, you know, treat you guys well? What What's good about the different conventions that you've been to as a publisher, Ben? Oh, man. Uh, it's it's really interesting, the, the sort of relationship that you have with the folks who are putting on each of these conventions, because everybody runs it just a little bit differently. Um, pretty much every convention that we go to, everybody's really great. Uh, Gen Con, of course, is is the big one. It's a lot of fun to be at, um, just the spectacle of everything and whatnot. Um, it's a lot of work going there and, and requires quite a few people to help out to make it successful and, and whatnot. Um, uh, I can't remember who said it, but I'm going to echo um, BGG Con. I think that's a really it's a really fantastic convention. I like that they, they're really building a great community and they're, they're growing intentionally, and, and that's been really nice to see from the publisher side, too. And, um, talking with Jeff and others over there, like they, they really do care about making sure each of the publishers gets um, sort of gets what they need to be successful at their convention. Uh, Gr, what's up? Not much, man. What's up? Well, you know, you had a point that you you mentioned in the chat, and I think Eric has a counter to your point. So mention your point, and then Eric can have his counterpoint. You guys can argue like father and son. Uh, I was just saying that designer-publisher speed dating is pretty great, and I really have enjoyed getting to be a part of it at every different angle, seeing pitches, giving pitches, and recording pitches as a media member, and that it's a fantastic thing to do once you have a game that is pitchable. Eric, right, so you disagree? Can you explain what speed dating is, please, son? I can, yeah, absolutely. In designer-publisher speed dating, uh, some number of designers, probably around 20, interact with some number of publishers, usually also about 20, where each designer takes a table, sits down, sets up their game, and then publishers kind of go roundabout in five-minute intervals and get a pitch from each of those designers moving in a clockwise fashion around the table until the oldest player at the table is done with their turn, in which case everyone else gets a turn and then the game is over, and the designer with the highest score is the winner. Uh, actually, um, you can give pitch sheets, you can give your five-minute pitches. It's a lot like what you would do at a convention, um, only it happens more quickly. I guess it's also at a convention, but it gives you a chance to interact one-on-one -on -one with these designers, but then get a bunch of them all at the same time. Um, and it's been a great resource that I've seen for at least getting feedback from publishers. And James Matthew, the, group, the guy that runs these things, has done a pretty good job of selecting designers and publishers that seem to be good fits for each other, so it's pretty cool. Excellent. And what's your counter to this, to this whole thing, Eric? Well, so I have to admit, um, uh, many designers who ask me about speed dating uh, as a source of, as a connection to getting published, I would actually advise against it. 
the only so the the main skill that I see the main takeaway I see from speed dating is a way to practice your five minute pitch and mm-hmm. to uh, watch your pitch get eviscerated time after time after time and uh, as you watch people get bored of your uh, of trying to condense thirty minutes of uh, pitch time into five minutes but uh, more often than not uh, I I don't see a lot of I haven't seen a lot of good uh, good fits come from speed dating that could not have come from regular pitch sessions, other sources. It gets you some exposure, sure, but it's it does feel a lot more like a, a, a lineup at American Idol. Uh, yeah. They're not there's so little guarantee that you're going to make a good fit and make a good pitch because five minutes is the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, and it get I've at least talked to a, so many many people that were disappointed by their, the delta between their initial experience of the speed dating and the publishing and the development process that came afterward. Do we need, do we need, a, do we yeah. need like a Tinder for game developers and publishers? To <laughs> I would rather have a grinder. Where like a, a publisher, well, the publisher's nearby, like my phone vibrates. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Dude. Swipe All right, let's, Swipe let's, do, let's, let's do that, 50-50. <laughs> 50-50 me and you. KR, you're going to get some inheritance out of this as double dads. I'm, I'm so good. I'm so good with this. <laughs> um, so, Ben, have you participated in the publisher speed dating? I have, yeah. it's. Um, I'm, I, I kind of land somewhere right between JR and Eric on this one. Um, I've, not surprising, not surprising. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pitches that that could use work, and uh, you know, it's it's really good. It's a really good opportunity for the the designer themselves, but it's that kind of ends up being a grind for a publisher to, to go through a lot of that. Like, great, I'm glad that you're getting feedback and you're improving from this, but you know, I'm there to find cool games. So, and, and you'd have you haven't yet found that cool one yet. Um, I do have one game that came out of speed dating that we're still in development on. Um, that I signed. Uh, yeah, more to come on that. But so, sure. uh, to a degree, I would say. I've had some success there, but on the whole, it's a lot of time and effort to get to that point, mm-hmm. and you, you you have to be on, and it's really intense, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little exhausting as a as a publisher on that side, I think. Yeah, I can see it, uh, I, and it's funny because I've seen it from both sides as well. Well, I've I've never actually done it, but I've watched it. I sat on the publisher side. And actually, for JR at a point, uh, and then I've actually just followed designers around as well, doing media stuff. And it's interesting, like the the caliber of designer that goes to the publisher speed dating seems to be more of the beginner ones who couldn't get a word in edgewise if they tried, unless it was through publisher speed dating. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what it's good for. I don't I, know. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, like rough crucible for <laughs> for new players, right? For, for well, new designers. I think it's really for the people that don't... You guys are all pretty well-connected at this point. Like, if you wanted to talk with XYZ Publisher, all everyone here, I think, is confident enough to walk up and be like, hey, I'm this person, and I have a game. Can I pitch it? Whereas I think a lot of people that have never designed something, and, and maybe it's their first convention even, um, you know, this is a great... I think speed dating is a great way for them to be exposed to publishers and at least meet them and realize, oh, they're people, you know, like they're not big <laughs> logos or something, you know. So um, I think speed dating is super important for people that that have had zero interaction with publishers at this point. Like the most interaction they've ever had is just purchasing somebody's game 
and they maybe don't have the confidence because they don't they haven't hung out with people yet. So I the one speed dating event I went to, I went as a media person and recorded and a bunch of people that I was there and I was talking to, they had never been to anything before with any kind of publishers and so for them they were very, very nervous because they were meeting these people for the first time and it was their first exposure to publishers as people. So I think it's valuable for that. Publishers are people too. That sounds like a shirt. We need to make a shirt. <laughs> there are, yeah. So there are people, and I'm not one of them, but there are people who believe that you need like permission to walk up and talk to somebody, right? You are definitely not one of those people. <laughs> Correct. You, like, you, don't, you don't even believe in permission for hugs. Uh, well, uh, He I, is the biggest non-consensual hugger I think I've ever seen. He's I, pretty much breaking some Geneva conventions with his hugs. I just do enjoy giving and receiving a hug, guys. Maybe the reason people think you need permission is that... I hope not. <laughs> no, but, like, so I, I came into this industry, uh, I guess, four years ago and paid my way to conventions for a really long time. And what I did is I just walked up and I introduced myself to people and just got to know what they did. And I think if your perspective at a convention isn't, I want to go discover the world around me and see what's there. If your perspective is, I want to get my game made and not think about the grander area, the grander environment that you're in, then it's very difficult to go get a game made because you're not thinking about what other people need and what it is they want to create and how your game might or might not fit in with them. But also, like, if you're the kind of person who doesn't feel comfortable walking up to a stranger and introducing yourself or walking up to somebody and initiating, like, a casual slash business conversation maybe, then it can be really intimidating to go to a convention and try to find a pair, right? Like, and as it turns out, like... I did, a, I did a poll with publishers, Ben, I think you responded to this one, like, last year, saying, like, what are the biggest reasons why you wouldn't sign a game that you thought was good? And designer fit and the fit within the brand were the two things. But, like, hidden inside that was this examination of, like, a certain kind of person gets games published more often than other kinds of people. And it is those people who are willing to put themselves out there and go and have what at times can be difficult or embarrassing or vulnerable conversations with strangers over and over and over again. And not everyone is, like, emotionally equipped to do that or does it as well as other people do. And for those people, I think it's necessary to create specific, constrained social environments where they understand exactly what they're supposed to do and can interact within this system so that they know how to prepare for it, how to behave, what to expect afterwards when they're not so comfortable with, like, this, like, social-emotional chaos that the rest of us are so happy to be inside. I don't know. No, that was pretty deep. That was pretty deep. Um, he always so, ends his, his big, uh, big, deep philosophical rants with, ah, I don't know. Cause he really I mean, doesn't. I'm just saying, like, Eric, have you ever been scared to walk up and talk to a publisher? Can you remember that? Like, Oh, God, yes. Yeah, but it's been, what, 20? How old are you, 70? It's been 50 years, right? <laughs> sure, but, but 70 years ago, there was a period where I was, yeah, I was scared shitless. To, to, I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> That's okay. You're in Canada. If you oh, wait a minute. We're, we're at lunch. We're at lunchtime. We're not after dark. Anymore, I was scared mooseless <laughs> to, uh, to approach any because uh, I mean, when I was, especially when I was twenty, right? When uh, when I was twenty, I, I I was overconfident and hypersensitive at the same time, right? The best combination. Yeah. And so, like, um, I, I had ambitions of only working with the biggest, best publishers at the time, and the um, like. I saw their games. I'm like, I want to be with. I want a game on your shelf. And of course, those guys are super intimidating, especially when you see them uh, at conventions where they have lineups of people outside their booths all the time and everybody wants to talk to them. Um, if you ever want a good sense of how to get an inferiority complex, try try going to approach Wizards of the Coast at Gen Con. Well, not right. anymore. Not but, anymore. 
but like somebody or or Blizzard at E3 or something like that, and um, and go uh, and realize like, oh wow, do these guys actually want to like? What on earth do I have to offer these guys? To talk to me. That actually dovetails into another point, which maybe you guys will ask me about later, but I don't want to hijack the conversation. It's, I have some advice that has nothing to do with speed dating or publisher pitching of how to get yourself into at a convention, how to get yourself published. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, chat with Ben for a second. Ben, um, <clears throat> what what advice would you give to designers, like new designers, even you know mature and aged designers like Eric and myself? <laughs> uh, aged? Aged? I said Asian for me and aged for Eric. I kind of combine them both. That's that's how we do it up in Canada. Um, ben, so advice for pitching to you particularly, or you know, what have you heard? What, what has really actually worked with you, uh, whether or not the game is good, for a pitch? Like during speed dating, during whatever, at a convention, what do you like? Yeah, I, I, we touched on a lot of that. Like I, I like when, when there's a consideration for where does this game fit within the product line and, and how is this similar or not uh, or tangential to the things that you're doing. That's a really good consideration to make. Uh, Additionally, I think just something that's fun and showing an enthusiasm for your own idea and not in this sort of like fakey pitchman way, which can come can happen from time to time, but but really a genuine like passion for your idea is really is really great to see. Um, that while also being grounded and understanding what is actually uh, novel and what is uh, something that already exists. I, I, I've seen some ideas that people think are, lo and behold, uh, this is something that's been around for a while or there's not really anything innovative in the game. Um, so, of course, do your homework in that respect. Uh, so hopefully that's some advice for the aged Asians among us. <laughs> Thanks. Tiff, you're up. Uh, uh, kind of a follow-up on that. And it, it, I kind of am curious to hear from both Ben and Eric because you mentioned... Um, do your homework and, you know, don't don't come into a meeting thinking that you are, you know, the universe's gift to gaming, right? And you've designed the most innovative thing ever. Um, but, I mean, JR aside, you know. Uh, but how how do you prep? Because not everybody has played everything in the world. Like, I, I once was like, I thought I had a really cool idea, and I mentioned it to some people, and they were like, oh, it's like this game. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. Tiffany, I think you've answered your own question there. Like you've, you, you took your game idea and you shopped it around to your, your gaming groups and, and whatnot and sort of let it go through that first pass of the people who are close to you because you know, they're going to be gentle and if, they're, and if they're harsh when they would normally be gentle, like that's a huge red flag that uh, you are going down the, a path that has already been traveled, uh, so to speak. Because, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know if a lot of publishers are going to be so gentle. So start with your local group, and you know, that's why we game with people is because they've had experiences we don't, or we, we haven't had, yeah. haven't had in the past. That's a huge one. And a follow-up to my follow-up. Um, so talking about, just talking about your game ideas or just showing your prototypes and just, there's, I've talked to a few people that are designers that are afraid to do that because they're afraid of taking their games to like unpubs or protospiels or even just groups outside their normal game group because they're afraid that the, that their design is going to be stolen. You know, like, 
somebody's going to take it. And, you know, if they take it to a convention and they're playing at one of these events, like, you know, somebody's going to just take it out from under them or anything like that. I, um, do you have any advice for people that are concerned about that? or? Uh, there, there's no black market for ideas that I'm aware of. So, uh, control C, control V. This is the like one of the number one questions I'm asked by the newest designers out there, right? And yeah. I'll bet you, in fact, I mean, send you can. I'm sure you've got a control C, control V and <laughs> answer for this too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, a no idea, no idea in and of itself is without executions worth anything. Um, even if it's a really good one, there are lots of good ideas, especially in the market today. Uh, B the there's a good to fair chance that any game that you're working on right now is being worked on uh, A1 by another designer uh, somewhere in the field, A2 by another publisher that's currently in the field. Sends like lip syncing, but <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, and, the, um, uh, and C, it doesn't matter if the, there are multiple ideas that, like, that are the same. Like, it's a great example. I actually, uh, at PAX this weekend, I pitched a concept to three different designers uh, as a co-design thing. I was like, I have this thing that I want to do. Um, what I have this game idea that I want to do. And I talked to three different uh, designers about it. And we came up with three completely different games in all three cases from the exact same pitch. Uh, another, none of them had anything to do with the pitch. So, um, and I, and now what I do is I'll, I, I just tell other people, it's like, Hey, I got this cool idea. I haven't executed on it. Uh, if you come up with something for it, great, I'll play it. That's there. There, you can't attach. You can't monetize that. I'd, I'd like to play a little more off of what you were saying about an idea being worth nothing without execution. Um, I think often people take that concept and think, "Oh, if I if I just sort of apply pressure to this idea, it it will be successful," and that's that's the only gap. But re in reality, not every idea can be executed successfully necessarily. Um, so, and I think that that sort of really tall wall of getting something done is um, often people see that and they think, well, someone else could climb that wall and, and maybe it's not necessarily even true, but you, like part of the idea is finding a way to get, to have that execution be completed. Um, and, and there's a ton of challenge behind that. So it, it's it's not just, grab an idea and apply pressure necessarily. There's there's so much creativity that goes behind it. Yeah, there's a lot of grit, a lot of uh, resiliency, a lot of failure that happens in game design and that's where that's where we make our money, honestly. It's it's not in the that's the execution that Eric's talking about is is the going through the mo the going through the, the rigmarole of failing a whole lot. <clears throat> and um, this goes to a question that Netage Play is asking. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna ask Eric and Ben this. Um, <clears throat> What kind of advice do you have for playtesters um, in terms of, you know, it might be related to conventions, but it doesn't have to be, just in terms of the design and what we're talking about now and, and executing ideas. A playtester's role in what you do, what is it? What advice do you have for them? Uh, so your advice for playtesters uh, in terms of how to go to what to do at conventions? Or? Well, no, I, the question kind of came a little bit out of left field, so I'm going to left field it for them. Um, right. I'm going to center it a little bit. Um, so about <clears throat> in your design process, how do uh, playtesters fa factor in 
right now, specifically with what we're talking about in terms of stealing ideas and whatnot, do you expose? Do you do you let them have print and play copies? What do you do, Eric, to get your game made? Because we need playtesters, right? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, playtesting is, I don't know, 70% of the process uh, mm-hmm. for me. So, like, the uh, my playtest nights are all of my weekly milestones, uh, all my... They're every milestone that I have, actually, except for conventions. So, um, like, for example, today, uh, I, I have a playtest tonight, and every the rest of my day is organized around getting my play, uh, game ready for that. So playtesters, I mean, uh, advice for playtesters, uh, if you guys are, I mean, if you're playtesting for a designer, especially somebody like uh, Center myself who have been doing this for a while, um, the just come and play, right? Just come and play and be present and... Uh, I'm going to rip off JR here because he wrote an idea down. Be honest, be kind. Um, I actually don't even care about the kind part. Like, if you're, if, if you're annoying and uh, whiny and stuff like that, I don't care. Like, it's, I'll, I would, honesty is much, much better for me. And don't, um, there's a type of playtester that, diff- that I do have difficulty with that somebody who feels like they're there is a part of a job interview. And they're, uh, they, are more concerned with trying to impress the designer with the uh, with the acuity of their feedback rather than just playing the game and being honest. Uh, don't worry about it. You don't like you're not on trial. You're not being judged. The only thing that's being judged at the table is the game. Um, it's ninety percent of the feedback, the post mortem feedback I get after at a play test, uh, is just like it's just us talking, but it's just a deconstruction of what was happening there at the table. I take most of my most of my takeaways are watching players play at the table, and I take most of my notes then. Uh, we talk afterward, and then uh, in a lot of cases, the, uh, the notes I take are just uh, noting the delta between what they're saying at the end of the game and what, what actually happened during the game, because that happens a lot, especially with smart playtesters. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I lost track. Oh, so the... Um, we have, as far as stealing ideas, I mean, I don't care. Like, uh, I, I've thrown away so many games at this point that uh, have been taken to the playtest table. Um, sometimes I'll even tell a playtester, like, hey, if, if you're an uh, aspiring designer, I haven't been able to do anything with this game. You want to take it? Go for it. I don't care. I, I'm, if you can make it work, I'll happily play it. Um, I just maybe like an inspired buy credit or something. Um, the All of my playtesters are under NDA with my studio. Um, so they which is a very general NDA. You're not allowed to talk any specifics about the game that I'm publishing unless until the publisher has uh, given, has released marketing info for it. Um, other than that, everything is fair game, in my opinion. Yeah. JR, did you have a, a follow-up question? I have so much to say about all of that, but I'm a host and not a guest. And yeah, we've got we got a couple of minutes. Yeah, we'll talk after in the after show. Yeah, same for after show. Can you uh, do you want to pose a question for Ben to finish it off? I do want to ask Ben a question. Ben, I actually got the playtesting system that I use at Artana from a conversation that you and I had at PAX South earlier this year, a long, long, long years ago. It feels like. Um, do you find, because you use Reddit and Google and a lot of electronic things rather than necessarily playtesting in person to do blind testing, do you find that your feelings about it mirror what Eric was saying, or do you feel differently? Oh, I actually do both. So that, that whole playtesting system setup um, is, I think, really great for 
sort of testing balance and aggregates and, and just sort of getting this shotgun feedback. And I think most importantly, you're, you're really seeing, like, can people figure this game out blindly uh, from just getting the rules and never, you're not even able to really have that conversation. So that's really useful in that respect. But, uh, man, I love, I love seeing things get ripped apart in person too. And, and just observing, observing the play and, um, the, the there, there's a, a moment for me that tends to happen with even published games that I that I like to observe is like often people go from playing the game to to just being in the game and they go from talking about the game and its components and its ideas to like to their strategy and 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 start to take on the persona of the character they're playing for example um, and being able to observe that moment I think is crucial during the playtest process because. That to me is when you know you're really you're onto something, and and um, the the mechanisms itself are sort of melting away, and the the spirit of the game is what's what's coming out um, quite sure. a bit. Awesome. We could do a whole show about this, like yeah. without. We could do a a semester of this. There needs to be a game board game college. I feel like we could just do an online school of like design and and playtesting and just everything. I think it could be a four year program. Playtest the universe and everything. Well, people yeah. will pay four hundred dollars for two days of Paxdev, right? If we just extrapolate that to the two two hundred dollar the full two hundred two hundred day school year, then we've got it. Yeah. All right, well, we got to wrap it up. We're, at, we're over the hour. Um, if you hear Zena crying in the background, I'm sorry. Steve left, so she's sad. Um, but thank you, uh, Ben and Eric, for being on today's episode about the pros of cons. Uh, I was wondering if we can follow it up with one last question. Try to keep it brief. <laughs> but um, one piece of advice that you would give um, people that are attending a convention as a designer? Just one piece of advice. And I know we've given lots of advice. Just try and pick like what you feel is the most important in starting with Eric. Uh, I defer to starting to Ben. <laughs> um, play your game with as many people as you can. You're, you're in a unique position where you're around a ton of people you don't normally get to see. So you're going to get new voices and new opinions and seize that opportunity as a designer. Wow, I, I can't imagine much better than being able to just get a diversity of opinions. So take advantage of that. Yeah, and if you're not sure about what opportunities the convention has, ask other designers because I know that Gen Con has the Double Exposure Playtest Hall, Origins has the Blue Noodle event, um, then there's protospiels and unpubs, and sometimes there's often like official protospiels and unpubs inside of other conventions. So just always ask other designers that have been before if you're looking for a specific, more organized event. You can also just be like, I'm going to be at this table. Come play. <laughs> so that's an option, too. All right, Eric, you got it? All right, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, with everything that we, everything we talked about, I would say the, the overarching thing here is be patient uh, and don't, uh, don't fall for the trap of trying to amortize the cost of the convention among future earnings or whatever that may be. Um, every convention, every single convention is one tiny little piece of the puzzle of your game design career. 
no matter whether you got a bite, whether you got uh, anything anything from publishers, you got something valuable out of that, absolutely, and that's feedback. Um, so chances are the next great idea that you come up with is directly or indirectly tied to what you, uh, what you experienced at that convention, and that's it. And there's the music to say that that's all the time you get. <laughs> thank you. It's like being dragged out to the Oscars, right? That's very yeah. Um, thank you again, Ben and Eric, for being on today's episode, episode 81 of Meeple Syrup. Thank you so much, JR, for coming and being special co-host. Next week, episode 82, we'll have Daryl back from his vacation. I'm sure he's going to tell us all about baseball that he's seeing right now. Um, <laughs> and we're also going to be talking with Isaac, I can't say your last, Shalev, um, and Matt Loomis, and we're going to be talking about co-designing, which actually is something I'm very interested in because I am currently co-designing a game. Um, so tune in next week at noon Eastern time, 9 Pacific West Coast time. Um, maybe I'll bring pancakes on air next time. I don't know. We'll see. But um, if you want to stick around, we're going to be doing an after show with just the hosts. Uh, so Sin and Jaren and are going to be talking. We're going to kick Eric and Ben out. And we're going to talk about them behind their backs while you watch. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. And see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.